Hello, my friends. Thank you very much for joining. Welcome to the current state of affairs in project management. This is expressly for those friends of mine who have requested this. Those of you who got certified in 2010 and before. My goodness, what have you been doing? You've been you've been twiddling your thumbs, not keeping up to date. I'm just joking. We're going into what the current state of affairs is. Some of you studied Pembok Guide 2 and 3, my goodness, and 4. And you now want to be updated. Let me give you the skinny. The Pembok Guide, current Pembok Guide, is now the 7th edition. The 7th edition landscape has changed. Back in the day, we had 5 process groups and 10 knowledge areas alone. But now, things have changed. And the PMI is now heavily focused on the concept of principles for project management to rest squarely on. And we also have a different flavor of categorization or groupings, if you will. And it's called the eight domains of project management. So I am going to cover today the new PMBOK Guide 7th edition at a very high level for those of you experts who've been in the field for the past 15 plus years, some of you on to 18, 19 years, my goodness. So very quickly, you remember that the PMI have a code of ethics and professional conduct. Well, they have carved this out of the code of ethics and professional conduct going deeper. You know, in the world of agile, which some of you have doubled into, we have four values and 12 principles. Well, the PMI now have 12 principles of project management. I'm going to cover them very quickly. The first one, if you go to the PDF that I shared with some of you, the first one is stewardship. And the summary of stewardship is you need to be a diligent, respectful, and caring steward. And what they mean by that is you should be respectful of the resources that have been entrusted to you. And some of the resources entrusted to you are going to be people like human, equipment, materials, supplies, facilities, and things such as that. In order to be a good steward, you want to first of all understand the scope of your responsibilities. And then you want to make sure that you're doing exactly what is expected of you. You're making sure that you are aware of laws and regulations so that you keep the project on the straight and narrow. Second principle is about teams. And when we talk about teams here, we're talking about collaboration. We're talking about team synergy. It's your job as a project manager to ensure that there's synergy within the team to make sure that you're giving the team the environment and support they need. Just as the Agile Manifesto encourages us, you're trusting them to get the job done. That's the summary. The third one is stakeholders. The stakeholder principle is really all about engagement. You know, it's not enough to have stakeholders who you are catering to on the project. They have to be engaged. So you want that environment, that atmosphere of uh, engagement. The next one is value. Some of you already know this from the world of Agile. And it's really the concept of don't do it if it doesn't offer value, right? If it offers value, do it. Anything you do should be value. You want to be value-oriented. One of the things we talk about in the world of Agile is being lean. So this is really cutting out the fat, thinking about value stream, mapping, and optimization, and just doing things that are value-driven. Um, it's not enough for you to deliver um, a solution. The solution should be valuable. All right. 
The next one is systems thinking. And being a systems thinker means you're a big picture thinker. To be a systems thinker, you should be able to see the big picture view of the project and all the variables that affect the project. Have you ever worked with someone who is a minutia kind of thinker? They're like on the ground level and they cannot see the 40,000 foot view. PMI is saying, while it's important to be a person who sees the small details, you want to be able to see the big picture because that's where integration responsibilities of the project manager come in. All right. Next one that we talk about here is leadership. You know, great John Maxwell, my mentor, he says everything rises and falls on leadership. And then he says a true measure of leadership is influence. So the truth is to be a great project manager, you need to be a great leader. You need to be a great, you know, influencer. And I'm not talking about the social media influencers. I'm talking about someone who can truly persuade and inspire and encourage and motivate the people around them, whether they be up in the organization, sideways down. That whole mindset is what they're talking about in this principle. Next one is tailoring. You've got to tailor the processes according to your project. The funny thing is when people hear about the PMI, they think, oh, I got to apply all these, every single pro process and tool to my project. And that's not the case. You got to tailor them. You got to tailor them based on size, based on complexity, based on the stakeholders' preferences and so on. All right. The next one is quality. What is quality? I could ask you that question. Quality is many things to, to many people, but in my mind, it's four things. It's fitness for use, conformance to requirements, customer satisfaction, and Kaizen. And when you uphold these things, you are in the quality vein. So PMI says, maintain a focus on quality that produces deliverables that meet project objectives and align to the needs, uses, and acceptance requirements set forth by relevant stakeholders. All right. Now we're on to number nine. Number nine is complexity. When we talk about complexity, we want the project manager to understand that there's a way of dealing with complexity. And that way is one, to break things down into smaller pieces. And number two, just be agile. Think agile, be agile in all that you do. So the PMI says continually evaluate and navigate project complexity. Do you folks remember the Stacy complexity model? Well, that's a good thesis for this because all throughout a project or endeavor, you should be navigating complexity, right? PMI says, so that the approaches and plans enable the project team to successfully navigate the project lifecycle. Now, when you think about complexity, there are two dimensions. There's the dimension of requirements, certainty, and there's the dimension of technical certainty. And when you are in a region where you have high requirements uncertainty and high technical uncertainty, in other words, you're on a project where people don't understand what to do and how to do the little that they know, you're going towards complexity and very quickly spiraling into chaos and spiraling into what we encourage people to come away from, which is move down on that y-axis away from high level of uncertainty to greater certainty in your requirements and move back towards the zero point on the x-axis 
towards a greater level of certainty about the technicality, right? So this is more like advanced agile talk for those who have been there. But I know you graduates, you PMP graduates, you should be up to the task. So when you're looking at complexity, you got to reduce something. You got to come away from that chaos mode, right? You got to come away from that madhouse. And the way you do it is breaking it down into smaller pieces, and you also influence the requirement certainty and the technical certainty. Next, we go into risk. Risk is all about uncertainty that can impact the project. And what we want to do here, you know, the PMI has given us the seven things we need to do. How many of those things do you remember? Chat into me. Do you remember any of the seven things PMI says you should do? Any of the seven processes? Chat into me. Let me see if you can even give me one before <laughs> before I'm done. The first one is you got to plan risk management. Then you got to identify risks. Then you got to perform a qualitative risk analysis. A quantitative risk analysis is optional. Plan risk responses, implement risk responses, and monitor risks. Did you even remember any of them, PMPs? <laughs> PMPs from 2005, 2004. Yeah, hopefully you've been doing this stuff on your projects. But but the summary is the PMI says continually evaluate exposure to risks, both opportunities and threats to maximize positive impacts and minimize negative impacts to the project and its outcomes. So you at all times, you need to be thinking, where are my risks? Am I dealing with my risks the right way or am I just freewheeling? And the PMI is encouraging you. These are principles, right? They're telling you continually evaluate the exposure. You're always thinking, how exposed are we? Are there hidden risks? And so on. All right, two more. Number one is adaptability and resiliency. The PMI is just saying you've got to be adaptable, right? Being adaptable is code for agile, right? Build adaptability and resiliency into the organization's and project team's approaches to help the project accommodate change, recover from setbacks, and advance the work of the project. The final one is the change principle. And the change principle is all about being prepared for change. It says, prepare those impacted for the adoption and sustainment of new and different behaviors and processes required for the transition from the current state to the intended future state created by the project outcome. So the idea is we don't just force people into change. No, we embrace change, but we're also champions for change. And we also understand the importance of sense-making sessions where change is concerned because people need to understand the change before they adopt the change. So if you're not helping people to understand the change, you can be rest assured people are not people are not want to, going to want to go along. Okay. All right. So those are the 12 principles. The second part of the PMBOK Guide 7th edition, and, and this is going to go very quick, is what we call the eight performance domains. Okay. This is in the second PDF that I put in the chat for you guys. All right. So the PMI says... In that publication, if you can read it, a project performance domain is defined as a group of related activities that are critical for the effective delivery of project outcomes. Now, someone would say, but Phil, how do, how do project performance domains differ from knowledge areas? 
and I say there's overlap. And someone says, well, Phil, how does it differ from process groups? And I say again, there's overlap. Personally, I would not have created performance domains. I would have left everything alone as knowledge area categorizations and process group categorizations because it makes sense. But the performance domains, and these will make absolute sense to you because, like I said, there's overlap. The first performance domain is stakeholder. The second performance domain is team. The third performance domain is development approach and life cycle. The fourth one is planning. The fifth one is project work. Number six, delivery. Number seven, measurement. And number eight, uncertainty. Let's go through these super quick. Stakeholder. This is a domain of importance because the stakeholders are the reason for which you have the project. The same way you think about stakeholders in the knowledge areas is the same way we do in the performance domain. Effective stakeholder interaction contributes to successful project outcomes. It's pretty straightforward, 101. The next domain is team. As a project manager, we want to be hyper-focused on the team. This lives within the resource management area in the PMBOK 6, and it's pretty much the same idea of Let's have some team leadership. Let's have a team charter or some social contract to guide the team, right? It says the team performance domain addresses activities and functions associated with the people who are responsible for producing project deliverables that realize business outcomes. It's that simple. It's not rocket science, honestly. Next one is development approach and life cycle. Here's the thesis. As a seasoned project manager, you want to make sure that you can tailor the life cycle to your project. Don't use an agile approach only when you need to be hybrid. Don't use a predictive approach when you need to be agile. And it reads the development approach and life cycle performance domain addresses activities and functions associated with the development approach, cadence, and life cycle phases of the project. The project deliverables determine the most appropriate development approach, such as a predictive, adaptive, or hybrid approach. The deliverables and the development approach influence the number and cadence for project deliveries. So imagine you're working on a software application where you could deliver in increments and work in iterations. In other words, you could do it agile. But because you haven't given it thought, you are delivering one time at the end of 12 months what a waste of opportunity because you could have capitalized in on it just like software companies these days and you could have delivered increments of value you would have been able to get feedback quicker you would have been able to deliver some value quicker so pmi is encouraging you to think about the cadence of your iterations the cadence of the deliveries and just in general the life cycle even if it's hybrid you still need to properly engineer a hybrid approach. I have a question. Go for it. So is there still room for the tool? I mean, where do the tools and techniques weave into this? Is it no longer a separate, you know, they no longer separately yeah. define what tools and techniques apply? Great, to great question. About yeah. Agile, but... 
Yes, very good question. So the Pembroke Guide 7th edition is less focused on tools and techniques. It is more focused, hyper-focused. The first thing you see, as you heard us cover, is the principles. And then on top of that, it's the understanding of the mechanics of the activities that are done. Not necessarily the how of the tools and techniques yet. That comes in the final part of Pembox 7, which we will not go into great depth today. But I'll just say that the tools and techniques, the language is now methods, models, and artifacts. Methods, models, and artifacts. And a lot of the regular suspects are still there. Like the artifacts are still there. Project management plan, risk management plan, risk register. All that stuff is there, but it does not take the front seat in the narrative. It's kind of on the back end, if you know what I mean. So it's there, but our focus for the first two parts of the Pembok Guide is all about principles and then understanding the activities. Okay. Does that make sense? 